everybody, it's Sean from Guy at the Movies Podcast. You haven't heard me on the podcast for a while, but don't worry, I am still on the pod. I'm just taking a little break, getting ready for the birth of my daughter. Um, I don't know when I'll be back specifically, but once things calm down after my uh, daughter is born, um, then uh, I will definitely be right back on the pod. In the meantime, enjoy Joe with several different guests. He's having a blast. I'm listening to the pod while I'm uh, getting ready for stuff, and it's a great time. I cannot wait to be back, though. I'll see you soon. Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast. We are once again joined by our friend from the future, Nick Flicks. How's it going? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm, you know, just wonderful. Uh, little background for those listening. We've been trying to coordinate the perfect time because yeah. the time difference between where I'm at in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and where you're at in Australia is just insane. It's it's a monumental difference. So it's 9 a.m. in the morning for you right now on <laughs> Sunday, and it's just ticked over to midnight Monday for me. So I'm quite literally in the future, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you always like to remind me that you're in the future. What's it like in the future there? It's like, you know what? It's still shit uh <laughs> for the things that are shit but i thought it'd be fun because like obviously being in the future it means we get news earlier than everyone right that's how that works that's how that literally i think works and there was some interesting news uh joe that came out uh today i don't know if you know this it was the one year anniversary of the menu coming out right so in honor of that fox searchlight have actually announced the menu too which it's a prequel film, which I, of course, you know, all films have to get a bit of backstory. It's a backstory about Ray Fiennes and how he actually cooks and murders the entire band, U2. I don't know how they got Bono involved in that, but the menu too is coming out uh, in 2024, which, I, you know, a great day to, uh, you know, announce that. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do we want to see the massacre of U2 on, on film? You know, that U2 twist really caught me off guard there because my original <laughs> criticism was, of the movie was that I wanted to know more about Ralph Fiennes' character <laughs> and see where he came from. So perfect. Love that. Um, I, I is, think it's great. Is this an Apple Studios production? And is this Tim Cook getting revenge <laughs> for the, the pushback they got when they put U2's album on all the iPhones years ago? That's actually why Ray Fiennes murders because <laughs> he did not want the album. <laughs> On his iPhone at all. Uh, and funnily enough, Apple Studios are going to release a seven-hour cut of it after it's done a two-hour cut in cinemas, So because that's that's the way to do it. But um, there okay. was some more news that came out as well. Um, I don't know if you... Well, this was actually news that was in the world, but about Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White, star of The Bear and the Iron Claw, coming out. And he said he wanted to do a really... If he was going to do a rom-com, it would be a sad rom-com. Did you see that? Uh, that's no <laughs> that's very no but that's true like this is a tr this is actually happened he wanted to do a sad rom-com that's just that news and then another story came out i actually sold my first screenplay and it was about uh my life it was just an autobiography about my life so if jeremy allen, allen white's free i've got a really sad rom-com for him to star in with my first screenplay but that's just news that's come out in the future it'll probably hit your headlines in a couple of hours so that's Excellent. the scoop that's wonderful. That's and that is, you know, a nice uh, preview of what we'll discuss next week when we get back together. Uh, and I'm sure there'll That's be it. some other equally disturbing news that comes out. Equally disturbing news uh, and equally disturbing <laughs> looks at my screenplay by the sounds of it. Jeremy Allen White recently, uh, I forget which movie it was that he was in. I guess it was maybe it was in the reactions to the Iron Claw coming out. Right. And someone was like, just once I want him to be in a normal family. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, if he's going to be in any dysfunctional family, that one from the bear is is a star-studded lineup family to have. Yes, absolutely. That one, the Christmas episode, is my <sighs> one of my favorite episodes of television, probably. It ever. is just so feverishly anxious. Like I and I like, I find that entertain not entertaining, but like that's the sort of content I'm gra I gravitate to, right? So yeah. that was that had me written all over it. It is a little, you know, over the top, but it also oh, yeah. is, I always say like slice of life films and slice of life television is what I love. And like yeah. things get chaotic with families on holidays. Like I'm so, I loved it. <laughs> and setting most of it in the kitchen as yeah. well. I was like, that's perfect for the bear where he just cannot control his own domain. Like it's, God, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's fucking amazing. I was just going to say, and I do believe that's how Jamie Lee Curtis really is on holidays. She's like, get the fuck out of my kitchen. <laughs> And you listen to her because she's Jamie Lee Curtis. Correct. You're going to fight back on that? I don't think so. I don't 
think so. Correct, correct. All right, well, this is episode 166. Uh, Nick, thank you again for joining us. We are in a time where uh, there'll be an update attached to this episode from Sean, an audio update. Uh, but he and the missus are expecting within the next 10 days, which is wild. So That's so uh, exciting. Obviously, his, his focus needs to be elsewhere, and we are excited for them and excited uh, for when Sean returns in the future, too. Um, but we have some fun stuff to talk about today, and I'm really excited to talk about this film that we're going to dive into um, when we're, we get to Saltburn, because this was <laughs> I, one of the wildest films I, I think I've seen in a long time. You and I were talking about it off, offline a, a week or two ago. Um, Oh my gosh, I almost just made a really disgusting joke um, that is related to that, but also, <laughs> related a movie, to the film? Yeah. <laughs> also a movie I just saw recently that links to that a little, which you saw as well, actually, which I'll... Okay. I, <laughs> there's a connection between Saltburn and all of us strangers. There is. And I'm not going <laughs> to... Okay, all right. All right. I'll, I'll let that stew for a little bit because it's been a while since I've seen both movies. Yeah. But I'll, yeah. I'll... <laughs> um, but you know, first and foremost, I need to ask you about these trailers that have come out this past yes. week. And I need to ask you in particular about the Garfield trailer. Uh, yes, the next animated Chris Pat, uh, Chris Pratt uh, animated, whatever is, he's doing now in the animated space. <laughs> is this the film that gets him Oscar contention? <laughs> Well, we've seen him, you know, as an American-accented plumber. We've seen him as American-accented Lego man. But really diving out of the human realm into a cat is the sort of stuff I, I want to see at my Academy Awards. That is my, my vision and my dream for the Oscars. Um, will he win? I'm going to say no. maybe the sequel. Maybe we give him time to really get into the character of Garfield, but I don't know what's going on with this. Give movie. him time to cook. <laughs> give him time to cook. That lasagna uh, is not cooked yet. <laughs> yeah, the lasagna is not ready. <laughs> not until the, the inevitable third film in the series. Uh, what about Samuel L. Jackson voicing the uh, beefed-up father of Garfield? <laughs> this is the dumbest I, thing ever. <laughs> like, I, it's crazy because, like, I was like sort of hesitant when Super Mario Brothers like was was coming out, and I didn't mind that film. Like it was fine; it was a completely fine animated film. But I think the things that they expanded on that I didn't know about the games was kind of great uh, and well fleshed out. I don't get what Garfield's trying to be, and that Samuel L. Jackson, like Samuel L. Jackson playing Samuel L. Jackson, is always great. But I don't know what purpose it's serving to this film aside from the fact that you go, "Hey, that's Samuel L. Jackson." Yeah. Yeah, I am right there with you. I, it's really interesting looking at this role for him as, you know, and his recent roles as a whole, right? Because mm -hmm. you look at things like, you know, the, the continuous character of Nick Fury and the fun yep. he's having with that. But he's kind of, I feel like, at that point where he's, he's taking every job, it seems like. <laughs> that, that, I feel like that was his career for a while, though. Yeah. Like, he popped up, like... Once he broke out, because I think not a lot of people remember, he really only broke out in the late 90s. Like, that's when everyone was like, oh, this guy is like a, a, a force to be reckoned with. But I think he loves it too. Like, I think part of him just loves that, that just working and, and being in these characters and stuff. And it's easy when you have such a, such a, a screen presence like he does and then have a like a vocal presence like he does because it's to be the same if morgan freeman right like one of the greatest voices of, in cinema history was garfield's like buffed up father we'd probably be having the exact same conversation right <laughs> true but he's just taking up so many roles at the moment because he can i don't know how many direct to dvd action screeners i've been offered with an and morgan freeman credit on there over the last two years <laughs> Whereas at least Samuel L. Jackson's got a little bit more big budget prestige behind him. So, yeah, he just, it, it to me just seems like the Samuel L. Jackson pull, right? Like there's nothing yeah. else. And he just goes, I can, this is easy. This is like two days work for me and I'm going to get paid a shitload of money to do it. Let's look at his last three years, right? Since 2020, right. he's been in The Banker, an episode of mm. Staged. I don't know what that is. Uh, Capital One Christmas Ad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, death, death to 2020, Spiral from the Book of Saul, Hitman's wife, body, Hitman's wife's bodyguard, oh, yeah. the protege, voiced in What If, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which was a TV, oh, a TV that's series. Right, yeah, Paul's of Fury, The Legend of Hank. He did a voice in that. Oh, he did. 
Sesame that was Street a running together. that was a running bit for a long time yeah, on another podcast. I was on the poles of fury. God, I forgot about yeah. that. Sesame Street coming together. Word of the day. Marvel okay. Snap the game, which I believe is on uh, mobile phones. <laughs> I think that's the mobile game. Yeah, yep. So he's branching out everywhere. Secret Invasion, The Kill Room, and The Marvels, with eight upcoming projects, including the Garfield movie, Argyle, The Unholy Trinity, Father Mucka. <laughs> <laughs> of course he's going to be in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last Meals, The Piano Lesson, Damaged the Beast. This man is just a workaholic. No Marvel credits uh, in that upcoming though, as well, which is kind of like sure. yeah, that's in, that's interesting to me. But yeah, he's just. But how how many total credits does he have? He has something ridiculous, doesn't he? It's like a hundred and something. Yeah, for acting. Let me pull that back up real quick. It is. Oh, I always forget about Pulp Fiction. I don't know how I forget about yeah. Pulp Fiction. The big the um, big breakout. Acting credits. He has two hundred and eleven credits on IMDb. <laughs> And then it's crazy because I think if you look back at the start, like um, there might have been some stuff in the 80s, but I think the 90s is where he really, really started to pop off. So that's a 211 credits in about 30 years. The man works. He definitely does. He definitely does. He was, um, he's also credited with an episode of WWF SmackDown from back in the day where he was John Shaft (laughs) promoting the movie. Oh, (laughs) hey, I mean, that's I don't mind some of those wrestling tie-ins. Some of them can be really, really fun. Like uh who who did the who uh Arquette, David Arquette, when he did it for his wrestling Oh, uh, Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble, that's right. That was a fun movie. <laughs> fun movie, and that's back when I was like in my WWE era, and I was like, this is the best. We are the same person, Nick. <laughs> Uh, let's move on a little bit and talk. Well, first of all, with, uh, there's a really funny wrestling joke I saw this week. It was like, just call me John because I've seen enough. <laughs> uh, anyway, good. I like that. That's good. I just saw that yesterday. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Madam Web trailer, which is getting uh, completely crapped on all over yeah. the place. But I honestly didn't think was bad. I've seen worse superhero trailers. I've seen just worse movie trailers. But I think there's just so much criticism not just around superhero movies, but unfortunately in the cesspool that is Twitter now, the you know ex artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, around female centric super superhero movies, right? Like whether people want to deny it or not, there's kind of just like undeniable proof that like, sure, this isn't gonna probably gonna be the best superhero movie ever made, but it's a looks like a completely serviceable uh, action movie, and it just happens to be led by four women. That's where I think a lot of the hates come from. I know the meme at the moment is the my mum used to study spiders in the Amazon before she died. I feel like I've heard that line about five times now watching the trailer. I'm like, I don't get the meme. Like it is just it's a line that's delivered and there are craziest superhero premises. So right. I mean, it, it looks fine. Like I'm not I'm not gonna be bad like, you know, holding the baton for Madame Webb, but <laughs> I don't get the backlash. I don't get the backlash either. It was really interesting that I think all of the uh, trailer reactions that I saw posted to YouTube from people I follow too, right after uh, the right after I came out, they all were just negative. Everything across yeah, the board, right. and without even seeing that, after I had seen the trailer, I'm like, all right, well, that's at least an intriguing premise. I, I would like to see where it goes. And yeah. so it's just once again, it's fascinating, especially I think in the the shadow of the Marvels underperforming at the box office last week. Yep and having very divisive reviews. Either people are like, this is actually a lot of fun, this is really good, or yeah. like, this is the worst thing ever, Marvel's in the shitter. <laughs> it's so funny, because I so I was completely middle of the road, and, and I was really upfront in my review, and I was like, I just I think for the first time, I just feel like I have superhero fatigue. Yeah. I haven't bothered watching any of the Marvel shows, so I'm like, I'm not caught up on a lot. The Marvels was still easy to understand, like the relationship between the main three, I was like, I get it. But I was just like, it was fine. It, to me, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as Thor, Love and Thunder. What could be? Uh, and it wasn't as, like, I wasn't as great as other ones I've experienced post-Endgame. Like, like Shang-Chi is probably like one of my favorites, and that's yeah. about it. So, like, I don't get how wildly... I get if people don't like it, and you kind of want to shit on it a little bit, but when you look at... If you think the Marvels is the worst movie ever made, you need to watch more bad movies. That's all I'm saying. You need to watch way worse movies than that. Back to the 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 movies you reference <laughs> that you get emailed about that are going straight to DVD or straight. Oh to yeah, <laughs> the polite. Uh, oh my schedule's full. 
it's it's not. Yeah. But I'm just gonna say it is. Some but yeah, Madam Web. I just feel yeah. I think it'll be like because I'm only not keen on it based on Sony's run of superhero movies. These are the guys who brought us Morbius. These are the guys who brought us uh, Venom. I'm not a big fan of Venom either. So I'm like, we'll see what happens come Feb 14. I like the first Venom. The second Venom, yes. I despised. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's me as well. See, I've already forgotten those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny? <laughs> and, um, the second one. You're going to question my, uh, my my movie opinions here. Um, <laughs> but I, when I saw Morbius, I was like, this is fine. Like, it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. And then, like, it took off as, like, this is a, an example of Sony destroying a Marvel property. And I'm like, it wasn't. I don't like Jared Leto. So I go into it already being like, mm. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, I mean, fair. <laughs> When he's not scaling buildings, like what you know, what else are we going to criticize him for? <laughs> oh, that man. But yeah, uh, the, I get it. Like Sony to me is just like they make completely fine, sometimes below average superhero movies. Yeah, and they're almost making movies that are. It's funny because we talk about the superhero fatigue and the uh, commitment that you have to have to Marvel properties in order to really get a full understanding of the story that they're telling in each of these subsequent films. Sony almost is doing the opposite for me right. where they're just putting together like a 19, like late nineties, early two thousand superhero film that you can just go into without any premise, yeah. learn the premise within the first 10 minutes uh, yeah. and have, you know, a good time with for an hour and a half and call it a day. That's kind of how I view those films. I think, yeah. I, and I think that's probably the best way to do it. Right. Because like the arguably the worst parts of those movies are when they try and connect them all together, when they try and do the Marvel thing. Um, and I like that. I like you said that '90s, 2000s feel because that's kind of you know, that's what we grew up loving, right? That's like yeah. we have nostalgia for them. Like it's the same thing that's happening with the other thing we'll talk about later with the Fantastic Four and the, the like. That cast and those movies from the early 2000s, all of a sudden, are getting love again. So it's kind of like, do we crave more of that nostalgia feeling? Probably. Is Matt Madam Web set in the '90s too? Isn't it? As far as I have mildly researched i believe so because isn't is it sydney sweeney's character or one of the characters is playing mary parker right i believe i think so i don't know if it's in i don't know who's playing mary parker but i think adam scott's playing ben parker oh, oh i saw him in the trailer randomly i was like Ooh. and for that one shot too yeah. where he say and he says like the line of the trailer where you're like oh this is like the moral theme of the film oh, geez, yeah, and then yeah. he didn't come back <laughs> Uh, Adam Scott playing Ben Parker, Emma Roberts playing Mary Parker. Emma Roberts. Oh, was she in the trailer? I didn't see her in the I trailer. I didn't see her. Interesting. We'll see what comes. We'll see what comes up. Yeah, this is. I also just want to give a little shout out to the the main cast here. I am really excited. Like Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, yeah. uh, Dakota Johnson. Like that's a good solid main cast. Celeste O'Connor. Yeah. yeah, they're all great. They're all great actors. Like they've all done shit that's like really good. So yeah. We shall see where that goes. All right, the last one here to discuss is uh, Blumhouse's next one. Did you happen to see the Imaginary trailer? Imaginary trailer, right? And this is the one where they teased a few weeks ago. It's like, this is the movie best watched with your eyes closed. <laughs> and then this trailer came out, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it was very low stakes. <laughs> very low stakes. I'm like, no, I think I'll keep my eyes open. Thank you, Mr. Blum. I think. Because <laughs> I want to see what the this is i have i still don't kind of know what's going on with this trailer yeah i mean the all i can glean from it is that it's something along the lines of the when you sever a connection with an imaginary friend from mm. the past they yeah. probably want to kill you <laughs> no, they, they want to haunt you so it's it's funny so this is just to like toot my own horn for a second so um i when i first left high school i made a couple of short films and they went on they went on youtube and we made one we made one that went very successful so we did like a, a quick like run of like all these scripts we had and i wrote a short film and we filmed it about a guy who has to tell his imaginary friend from his childhood they're in their 20s now to move out because his real life girlfriend's moving in and i'm starting to think maybe blumhouse saw that <laughs> so is there any way joe that i can somehow sue blumhouse please send me the script for the original uh and i will oh, take a look dates and all dates and all dates, don't you worry absolutely not a horror film but i'm just gonna say if i have an intellectual property case here i'm going for it it's funny too because that's also kind of 
a, a loose premise for the Ted movies. <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> Shit, maybe I stole it from him. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane's going to sue me. <laughs> oh, man. The one thing I do enjoy about Blumhouse going this route with Imaginary, <laughs> even though it seems like low low stakes, is that we are getting a lot more horror uh, in the, the past couple of years. And it's a lot of it, I think, is experimental and inventive and new new voices. I'm excited to see Dewanda Weiss in this. Um, she was yes. dr- like criminally underutilized in Jurassic World. What, the best that. part of that movie as well. Like, yeah. she was absolutely the best part of Dominion. So Dominion. I was like, what was that last tragic movie? I know, called? I had to think for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, the man. one that was supposed to take us all over with that cast coming back, and then your new character is the best part. Yeah. Uh, but she was she was awesome in that. And I agree with you. Like, I like, I like that horror is successful. We're obviously both big horror fans, right? Yeah. So, like, and the experimental horror side of it is great because it's a cheap movie to make, which has always been Blumhouse's model. So then even if even if it doesn't do well, it's kind of already done okay yeah. because it would have made its money back. And I think people will give it a chance now because Blumhouse has their name attached. They're doing the experimental stuff. They're doing the Five Nights at Freddy's stuff. They're, they've got the finger in both pies like in a good way, I reckon. And you're spot on with that. Horror is so cheap for them to make that they, mm. you know, the, the bar is set low for what's a success. And that's yes. why over the years, you know, every horror franchise has been milked to, to the end of the earth um, yeah. because they are cheap to make and there are good returns on them. And I, that's something I think is kind of under addressed and under recognized that horror continues to be a not a huge box office draw, but a consistent box office. It's draw. consistent, super consistent, because it, it's probably like the most divisive genre, right? There oh. are people who are outright like, I will not watch horror movies. Everyone will watch action. Everyone will watch comedy. Everyone will watch drama. There is like a genuine split of people who will watch. So that's the thing. It just, the audience who loves it just keeps showing up to it. So it's kind of like you figure out how much they're going to spend on it and you make a movie for, you know, half of what you think it's going to return. It's a flawless business model. It is great. And Thanksgiving, I think, is an example of that. And I know you haven't yes. seen it yet, so we won't. I know. In. I'm so upset that I haven't. That's <laughs> that's on me. But I'm, I'm I've only heard good things from the people whose opinion I care about yours being one of them um, in regards to horror. Like I'm super excited to see it because I've heard it is just gory, fun, self-aware, like just a good thrill ride. The self-aware piece I think is the biggest thing. There's, yeah. um, you know, it's a film that has a ridiculous premise as most yeah. slashers end up having. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, born out of the what 2007 Grindhouse trailer that yes. Eli Roth did. And, that's even an example, I think, of one Eli Roth having some, um, you know, some some credit to his name that they allowed him to do this. But then also the fact that it's it ends up a really good movie uh, is just yeah, wild to me. So it's it's a lot of fun. I've seen people say that it's the best slasher since Scream. I don't know where I'm at with that, but it's right. it definitely delivers the way that Scream does. In that, that nice. Sense. Yeah. I'm so excited. I, as soon as I see it, I'm reporting back to you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> please, I'm do, please do. Please do. Um, all right, let's get into speaking of weird movies and crazy stuff. I want to talk about this film that I saw a couple weeks. You saw it before me, I believe. Or- yeah, I think I saw it about a, uh, just under a month ago now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was right around that time too at the Philadelphia yeah. Film Festival here. Yes. Uh, and it was a closing night film. We're talking about Saltburn. <laughs> Uh, and this finally hits theaters Wednesday here in the States. So it's a nice Thanksgiving release, if you will. Um, I, this is yeah, one, one to take the whole family to. Right? I know, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. They're like, here are your options: Disney Wish, um, Thanksgiving, Napoleon, or Saltburn. Or Saltburn. <laughs> and what's funny about this is Saltburn. You know, Emerald Fennel's follow-up to Promising Young Woman. We knew it was Saltburn. We knew that Barry Keoghan, uh, as well as Jacob Elordi, were starring in this. But we really knew nothing about the premise. And the trailer gave nothing either. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Uh, so, you know, s- slight spoilers in this conversation if you don't want to uh, to know what's going on here. But um, what we are, what we're presented with is basically, you know, Barry Keoghan's character meets Jacob Elordi's character at uh, a prestigious institution. Uh, and Oxford, and, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ends yeah. up going to Saltburn, which is Jacob Elordi's family's uh, major mansion property. Uh, and spending uh, the summer, summer with him or the holiday? I think it's the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. their summer. So, which would be forgetting. your winter, I guess, actually. Yeah. So it's like Christmas time. Yeah, Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. Um, chaos ensues. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to give too yeah, much away, but 
Oh. It's one of those movies that's like it's it's a safe movie until it's not. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you kind of always wondering like when is something going to happen? And not in a bad way because the first half of this movie I think does a fantastic job of establishing especially uh sorry Barry Keegan's character Oliver as this like timid outcast who struggles to form connections and he wants to be a high achiever and you kind of find out he is a high achiever but at the cost of being recognized and being social and, and having friends and then when Jacob Elordi's character Felix sort of takes a liking to him uh because he helped him out with something one day it's kind of like this can't be all that happens right we're not just going to watch these two friends just have a great summer together and then when shit starts happening which is also things that, like, if you said it, if this was a big spoiler chat and you just said the things as they happened, you would still go, where the fuck is this going? Yes, absolutely. Literally until the last 15 minutes of this movie, nothing makes sense but in a totally fun, wickedly fun way. And it's a lot of, when the things start happening, they are spaced apart enough that you are not linking yes. them as related or as yes. vital to the plot in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, they're just you know one in particular is um, disgustingly peculiar, and <laughs> which which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, true. Um, are, we ta- yeah, are we talking yeah. a bathtub or are we talking a grave? <laughs> yeah, are we talking a bathtub? We're talking a grave. Are we talking outside a bedroom window at night? Like, what are we? <laughs> And you know, all of these phrases make sense to us and will make zero sense to anyone yeah. else. <laughs> I so I will say performance-wise, Barry Keoghan has just turned into one of my favorite oh. actors to watch. I mean, Banshees, he was wonderful in support. I enjoyed him when he was in Eternals, um, mm-hmm. obviously killing the sacred deer. This is just for me, he's he's the perfect. It's funny watching interviews with Emerald Fennel and knowing where the film goes. When she said he was the one that she had in mind because he would be perfect to to pull this off, yeah, I 1,000% agree with it because he does pull it off brilliantly. Mm. I think he, the biggest one like that I love him in that you said was Banshees because he is this, he he's a troubled person and not just troubled in the sense that he obviously has dis- uh, intellectual disability like in that film. But he is just a troubled person with his home life, but you have so much compassion for him and sympathy for him. And as Oliver in this, immediately you go, oh, this is, I just like you. Like, I, I feel bad that you don't have friends. Like, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And then when he gets friends and he starts really finding himself through this family and like, you know, coming out of his, you know, shell a little bit more, it's kind of nice. It's really yeah. endearing. Um, and then Felix, uh, Jacob Elordi, is that great counter to that? He is confident. He oozes sex appeal. He is he is just so unapologetically himself. And and even though he's aware of his status and the money that he comes from, he does that classic thing where he also like rejects it to like not seem as like much of a prick as his family is. So the 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 both of those like Jacob Elordi for me, I think is like it's hard to go off the Kissing Booth trilogy because he i said this years ago and people called me mean for saying it i was like he doesn't want to be there and he's just said an interview he did not want to be there i was gonna say he's not a big fan of those films (laughs) and i don't blame him but it got his name out there and and bless him for that and he's obviously great uh in euphoria and i haven't seen priscilla but i hear he's great in that but this to me is like the star making performance for him as well so it's, it's led by two great acting performances I'd agree. He brings a very layered performance to this, and I don't know that mm. it's very apparent when you first watch it, but he, there's an innocence to the party boy cockiness that he also has. Totally, um, yeah. He doesn't know it, who he is, right? Like, that's correct. the thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. The other performance I want to throw out is Rosamund Pike <laughs> having the time of her life in this movie. <laughs> and the some amount of the of best people, one-liners. <laughs> the amount of people who've been like, that's me. Like, that's my internal monologue. And I was like, I get it. She's just saying the shit that a lot of people are thinking most of the time. And normally it's pretty heinous. Like, she would, when she's just like, I have a disdain for ugly people. You're lucky you're not ugly, Oliver. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's like her introduction. It is so, she is amazing. But that whole family, like, Rosamund Pike's brilliant. Richard E. Grant as just this buffoon, this billionaire buffoon like is yep. fantastic 
And the, the sister here, um, uh, Venetia is the character's name. Oh, Allison, yeah. Al, uh, yeah. Allison Oliver is the, the actress's mm. name. God, Just brilliant. Unhinged. Yeah, very unhinged. <laughs> That's a great word for it. <laughs> very great word. So I have to be honest. This, yep. I'm, I'm willing to make this declaration right now on November 19th, November 20th for you. Yeah. Uh, that In the Saltburn future, my... you keep this declaration, by the way, just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Saltburn is my favorite movie of the year. Wow. Okay. It really yeah. is. I, it's not, I mean, there are definitely other films that hold great weight for me due to, you know, for I cried during All of Us Strangers. Well, I should, I should clarify that. I cried on the way home from All of Us Strangers for a good yes. period of time thinking about Fair it. Enough. There's other films that are very impactful and very fun and great. Obviously, I love Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oppenheimer was one of my favorites of the year. Uh, American Fiction, The Holdovers. I love all these films. Um, there's something about the thrill of the movie-going experience with Saltburn where I didn't know what I was getting into. It it pushes boundaries. Okay. And those boundary, the boundary pushing, I should say, makes sense in the grander scheme of the storytelling once the credits roll and it has the best last five minutes of any movie of the year <laughs> i won't I, I don't want to say i know some people have said what the, especially the song is but like it is as soon as i saw it and messaged you you <laughs> replied with the lyrics of the song <laughs> and i was like yes it is the best closing scene of a and it's not just because like of the song and what we see because obviously it's just like wow but it is the perfect cherry on top of this story yeah it is it is the ultimate fuck you in the story and it is perfect and like you said it doesn't work unless everything else underneath mm -hmm. it works well and the way things are revealed and the shock nature of some of the things we see when you're still in this state of I don't know what this movie's really about right now right. is just a perfect recipe. Like it's, it's such a well-written script and it she, Emerald Fennell is such a great director. This four by three, like this is basically a square, but the way she manages to make it feel what is normally like a claustrophobic aspect ratio mm -hmm. feels so far back. Like, like everything feels so grand and big and there's and salt burn as a mansion feels so ginormous because like the whole tagline is like you don't get lost in here and i was like well it's, i think visually you kind of do like you feel disorientated by a lot of what's going on she's such a great visual director yeah i would i completely agree with that and i'm honestly waiting for her next film i am mm -hmm. very excited to see what she does next Absolutely. i didn't love the end of promising young woman um right yeah yeah that was and i think that's the the divisive um discussion that continues to this day about it but um the rest of the film and you know the premise of it obviously i absolutely loved um that i will tell you do you ever have the issue where getting into a vehicle with uh car play it just randomly plays like something from your phone uh yeah so the it's, it's the funny story i think i've ever said this before i have because i'm a spotify guy I have one song on Apple Music because I had to edit it into a video on iMovie <laughs> once, and that's Sandstorm by Darude. So every time I turn my car on, no matter what, I, and if I've had my volume up listening to podcasts, I always just forget, and Sandstorm just blasts out of my car at full volume. So I usually start my day on a massive fucking hike. Right, that's yeah, my, that's a good way so to that's get it my, going. That's my car play experience is just Darude Sandstorm. <laughs> Mine used to be Britney Spears' Lucky for some reason. Um, oh, okay. I mean, there's worse ways to start the day. <laughs> but it has since, and I don't know why this is, but it is now the song at the end of Saltburn, and I love it. <laughs> that's I'm always like, let's put that's, on this that's podcast. Meant to me. Yeah, that's I'm always like, oh, let me put on my political podcast and figure out like how the world's burning today, and then that song starts, <laughs> and I'm like, we're good. <laughs> you're like, we're happy. You're like, no, you're totally right insert artist here like yes. <laughs> i just i'm so excited for more people to see this because i'm assuming being closing night at the philly film festival it was a sold out crowd right it was and it i was. saw it, it was, i saw it with a sold out crowd and found out afterwards because i saw him there jacob lordy was there because he's based in brisbane um but he was quick to get out like he was yeah. very much like, like hey everyone bye everyone um but it was a so and just the crowd reactions to everything like you said, it just makes that cinematic experience so yeah. much richer. And like 
some people uh, i remember the first reviews were like very mixed it was that low metacritic score it was a low rotten i was so score. nervous <laughs> so nervous and then it's just gradually picked up because more people have been like no this is the sort of movies we want we want weird shit because yeah. we're sick of like cookie cutter stuff but we want weird shit that's well written that looks great and has brilliant performances and salt burn all three yeah i agree with you there i totally agree with you there we had an interesting and then we can move on we had an interesting mm. uh situation at our screening um it was within the last 15 minutes and this isn't a spoiler but there's a conversation happening between oliver and uh felix's dad yes um and the a, a woman started screaming that the woman next to her was choking and so they oh paused the movie and it was a good 20 minutes she's fine she's by the end of it, she oh. was laughing because I think she was just so nervous and embarrassed. And yeah, of course, um, it's, she got Jesus the Christ. yeah, it was crazy. She got the attention, but like, it was just you're already in an awkward place with that movie because of how weird it is. And then yep. that happened, and we all were concerned about what was happening. And then they start playing it again, and it part. I mean, the selfish part of of myself, and I think everyone was like, "How the hell is this movie going to wrap up? Like, this is a movie that you can't walk out of." no no not at this point you've come this far you've seen like by that point you've seen a lot like there's probably like two more fucked up scenes in that last 15 minutes that you got to sit through and and like you kind of of like i've i've stayed on this train long enough we got to keep fucking trucking on so but that's then afterwards i was just like i hope that they give her an opportunity to see it tomorrow or something yeah right oh my god imagine she's there out there right now and she still hasn't seen the end of salt burn oh my gosh oh my gosh it's a, a way and to end that incredible song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I saw so... an inter- I saw an, sorry, I saw an interview with a person who was in the end of the that end scene, and they were talking about what they had to do, and I was like, he, and they were just like, no, I like as, after that first <laughs> shot, after the first take, they were like, yeah, that I totally get like why, and that freedom just sort of opened up. Apparently, they were just so in it too and mm. you can tell like it was i, I think yeah. that's what was enjoyable too it wasn't aw- it wasn't i mean it was awkward but it wasn't awkward <laughs> oh no totally and but that's the thing like you said you're watching that as with a room full of strangers you've been through enough by that point <laughs> already i spoke to a cinema i spoke to a, a cinema worker the other day where i was at a screening and he was like oh I, my mum wanted to see it and we didn't know anything about it so he sat next to his mum and watched Sulpa, and i was like did she enjoy it? she's like yeah she loved it but it was fucking awkward. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't, I, I get it, man. I get it. Have you ever been to a movie with your mother or with uh, uh, someone else and it was just a very awkward experience? Yes. I, I seem to, oh, man, I dig my own holes with this sort of stuff. But my my mom's really cool with like watching a lot of stuff. She finds a lot of the same stuff I do really entertaining. Um, and we were big fans of the in-betweeners. Right, like when I was because <laughs> I was a teenager when it came out and it was perfect. But we went and saw the second movie together one night, and that movie features <laughs> a man pissing into another man's mouth for hydration. That movie features someone defecating in a water slide that hits someone else in a face. Uh, it features <laughs> awkward sex scenes, and I was just sitting there with my mum, but the and, and we were both laughing. I think we were the two laughing the hardest in the cinema. My favorite part was, though, the cinema obviously just hadn't really thought about the movie they were showing. And the music that was playing before the uh, the previews started was Let It Go from Frozen. <laughs> and it really set the mood. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> How about Man, you? That... Do you? Do you have any experiences? Yeah, but yours just completely top of mind. Oh, I, no. uh... <laughs> I was. I just had to look up the release date to figure out how old I was. It was when Eight Mile was coming out, um, mm. and I really wanted to see it. And I was 15 at the time. It was like the week before I turned 16, and my mother was like, "I'm intrigued because she loves um, true story. She loves that yep. type of stuff, and that's a, a that can be a rough movie. Um, oh yeah. And there's you know a really uh, <laughs> revealing sex scene and stuff like that. <laughs> and I yeah. was just I was like flabbergasted and I was so nervous and thinking she's hating this and at the end she was like i loved it <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> yeah yeah no it was a really great movie and you talk about everything else that was great about it except the sex scene. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> it was just i just remember feeling so awkward um 
but there's a number <laughs> of movies now that you know with we're lucky enough to have the advanced screenings and such but when my parents see the screen like the the trailer i'll get a call and my mom will be like that looks intriguing I'm like not for you <laughs> <laughs> you are you are the first line of defense <laughs> absolutely you're like you that- there's parts of this you will not enjoy <laughs> For their pure souls, you are the first line of defense. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to, we have to talk about, I feel like we're talking about this all the time because Marvel likes to keep this fresh in our minds. Um, But with the strike ending, we are expecting to get the final cast for Fantastic Four soon. Yes. And there have been three major casting rumors this week. And then there's, of course, three that I think are pretty much, people are penciling in as like probably going to be. Um. But the first major one is that news broke uh, about three days ago that Pedro Pascal was being offered the uh, the role of Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. And then, as you mentioned offline here, the, the news kind of, it was confirmed, and then it wasn't confirmed, and now it's rumored, and we're kind of in this in-between. But yeah. it, it did ignite the internet uh, with uh, a variety of opinions. I'm wondering how you feel about the potential for Pedro Pascal to step into that role. I, I mean, I, I love him as an actor. I think he's I think he's fantastic. And his real breakout for me was Last of Us, right? Like where I got to finally see him in like a leading performance and, and, and really own it and do something really cool with that character who I knew from the video games already. Like I love his interpretation yeah. of Joel. Um, this to me is interesting because the only hesitate, not, it's not even a hesitation, but my query would be, Normally when they sign on, when Marvel are signing people on, it's never just uh, come do these Fantastic Four movies. It's normally like a 10-year, six-movie contract. <laughs> sign your soul. <laughs> sign your soul, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Kevin Feige getting that blood signature. And um, it's one of those things where I'm like, he's, he's a good-looking guy, but he's getting older. The gray hairs are coming through. Like, what do you want to do with Reed Richards? Who, like, who is Reed Richards going to be in this universe? Is he going to be the new Tony Stark? Then, if so, then that's fine. You can have someone who's older, you know, playing um playing the character and have like this le- new leader of the Avengers, I guess, if that's the way you want to go. Um, so I think I, I'm I would be intrigued to see it, but I would love to know what the direction of the character is first and foremost. Because yeah. if you then look at the ages of the other people who uh, who are rumoured to play, like Vanessa Kirby for Sue Storm, who's, you know, reasonably young. Uh, who's a guy from Stranger Things? Joseph Quinn? Joseph Quinn for... Who's rumoured for The Thing, right? He, uh, human Oh, no, Torch. Johnny Storm. Yep. Human Torch, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy from The Bear, cousin from The Bear. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> Oh my gosh, what is the name? Uh, know, Ivan just... Moss Bachrock. For uh, and then he would be the thing, right? So right. yeah, it's to me they're all significantly younger than Reed Richards. Maybe Ivan, maybe in contention for not being as young. But yeah, I'm just more intrigued to see what the direction of the character would be to see if Pedro is the good fit. I'd agree with you there. I I'm not sure. Uh, so I, I, when it first was announced, I didn't love it because it seemed like it was capitalizing on the success that Pedro Pascal's been having in recent years, and but, keeping it in house, right? Disney yeah. and Disney sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. The someone said we're not going to see uh, the Mandalorian take his mask off anymore. <laughs> it's going to be Grogu like gluing it shut or something. For didn't episode. they? Didn't he just announce recently that because of our shooting schedule thing, he won't be? at all in the suit for the next season of Mandalorian. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but that doesn't Apparently. surprise me. Yeah. Um, luckily, they can get away with that. Exactly. Um, Jeff Snyder, uh, one of the insiders, I've, his podcast, I want to say it's the Hot Mike podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, and he has the Insider. He went into this a little bit and uh, had shared some of the other individuals that were potentially in the running. Well, one thing I do like before I get to that, because um, I keep <laughs> diverting my thoughts here, The reason I do like the casting a little bit is because it definitely accomplishes what I think they need to do is separating this version of Fantastic Four from what we've seen before in 2005's Fantastic Four and the subsequent sequel with Ian Grufford as the uh, as Reed Richards and then Miles Teller uh, in the feature film. Yeah. Um, The 2015 film. There's a certain pedigree, I think, there that, um, you know, he's got to be like... uh, skinny nerdy whatever and i i yeah. like the difference that pedro pascal brings to that role and i think yeah. that could 
hopefully give a little bit more energy to wherever whatever direction they're going in. Something that I think could be cool, and this is just more of a... Um, I don't see Marvel going in this direction, but Pedro Pascal is so good at playing a gruff sort of beaten down character. I would maybe like to see a Reed Richards who's already been Mr. Fantastic for a while now, who is kind of had either had something happen or is exhausted by the fact that he has been a superhero for so long. And it has to be this revitalization, maybe from this younger Fantastic Four team who have to sort of come in and be like, you know, come on, Mr. Fantastic. we got to save the world. And he's like, shit, man, I've been burnt before by things that happened. Galactus. And I'm not totally all over the fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but, things uh, that have happened before. Period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may have sold a sad rom com screenplay. My Marvel one did not get picked up, unfortunately. <laughs> I do think, though, you make a good point, or made a good point at the beginning of this conversation with the ages of the characters and Vanessa Kirby being significantly younger. Um, I wonder how that would all play. My, I, I've always wondered how they would utilize variants in this. Meaning that they could have yeah. where like we're first introduced to members of the Fantastic Four from an alternate reality or alternate universe. And the question always then is, okay, if they're there, then who's here? And yeah. I always thought, like, I wonder if that's the direction they're going with the X-Men as well, where they're kind of teasing yeah. us with, you know, Beast from the the Fox universe and uh, binary, obviously, in the post-credit scene of the Marvels and such. But then um what how do we how do we get to the new MCU X Men and so that I could see being interesting. Maybe there's multiple like two sets of Fantastic Four that we're gonna see. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I, this is the Marvel rumor mill that continues to spin without any direction. Yeah, um, that's it. It it, it kind of has to become something completely new now. Yeah, like I think we're just at the point where it's like Endgame. Endgame was that good. Endgame was such a great way to wrap up even the few films after that sort of were like the prologues that's great but now we kind of like how what can we do now what can we change and what can we especially when multiverse and variants are such a big part of it it's like okay where, where do we go do we just leave behind yeah this earth that we're in we should also mention that in that with you know how they're trying how marvel's trying to figure out the path forward um destin daniel creighton who directed shang chi is directing Shang-Chi 2 and was also attached to Avengers The Kang Dynasty, has uh, just left the project this week amid reports that they are trying to move away from the Kang storyline due to a lot of the troubles of Jonathan Majors and I think just the poor success of the direction they've been going in in general. Yeah, I I didn't, I haven't watched any of Loki season two, so I don't know how that wraps up because I know Kang or at yeah. least Jonathan Majors was a part of that as well. And obviously the reception to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was not exactly uh, probably what they wanted it to be. Um, you know when they send the stars out to Australia for a red carpet for the first 20 minutes of the film, there might be issues. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, we had we had, um, we had Paul Rudd, Jonathan Majors, and Evangeline Lilly, and um, who directed the film, sorry? Um, Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. He was out here as well. And they did a massive red carpet event. And then they're like, we're going to show you the first 20 minutes of the movie. And we were like, you came out for that? So we were kind of like, interesting. Okay. okay. Trying uh, to drum up uh, excitement. Yeah, the proof was in the pudding there. So <laughs> uh, the other things that Snyder mentions here is that uh, an offer, and this is via comicbookmovie.com, uh, that Jake Gyllenhaal did get an offer but wanted too much money. Feige felt the cast was, quote, way too white and decided whoever was going to play Mr. Fantastic should add some diversity to the foursome. That seems like a very uh, broad oversimplification of uh, a statement that a Kevin Feige level would make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like that was like a trickle-down comment. If if that was the foundation of why they wanted to do it, that's definitely like come through a couple of sources before it's been yeah, for sure. <laughs> hit the tabloids. Um. Christopher Abbott and Jamie Dornan also reportedly tested. Yes. I How heard they didn't go well though. I heard <laughs> they I apparently those two tests apparently stood out as ones that were not great. Which sucks. I, I like Dornan and I love Christopher Abbott. I think he oh he is so have you watched have you seen Poor Things yet? No, I have not seen Poor Things yet. Don't worry then. Is he in it? Maybe. 
Maybe not. <laughs> I'm from the future. I know things, remember? <laughs> Did you watch Sanctuary by chance? With him? I haven't yet. No, it's that's <laughs> on my list of like, I've got like 20 movies on a list right now like that I have to watch for the end of the year. But I know that's, a, that's a wild experience too. Is that Margaret um, Qualley as well? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's on my list. It's a good one. Two other rumors we have with Fantastic Four. The, I think the point here when we're discussing the the actors here, mainly because we're getting into some weird things with like the ages, I think are a little bit uh, higher than we expected, is yeah. that this is not going to be an origin story from what we're told. So that I think lends credence to your your uh, theory earlier with how they may move forward. And I, th- I I like that. I mean, we had that with um, what did we have that with recently? There was there there was something with Spider Man recently where we, yeah, sorry, when we had um Tom Holland come in, we didn't yeah. get Uncle Ben's death and things like that. So I I don't mind having to you know jumping in a couple of years later for a super or uh, Robert Pattinson's the Batman. He's been Batman for a little while, like two years already or something. Like that's cool. We we can jump in on that. I think people are aware enough of the yeah. Fantastic Four. I agree. To be able to do that. The two uh, other rumors. One is that Javier Bardem is attached to or being eyed for Galactus, so the World Eater or the Eater of Worlds. Uh, and Galactus originally was linked to Antonio Banderas. Uh, so it's just you know interesting um, direction that they're taking with that character. I think it shows a focus that uh, maybe will play out in the story. Hopefully. Yeah, because initially when you said Javier Bardem, I was like, oh, I guess he's got like a booming voice. And if it's a, a planet eater, I'm like, he's probably got that mm. vocal presence that that would work that. And then it's not that Antonio Banderas doesn't, but like, I don't see him being but like, oh, you planets, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I hear I, I hear Puss in Boots. I hear the fast talking, like smooth talker Antonio Banderas. And I just, I don't get the vibe that Galactus does that. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, and the, you know, the Ambonio, and, Ambonio, Ambonio Banderas is what I just said. The Antonio Banderas uh, rumor started like a year ago. And this Fantastic Four was announced a good deal of time ago. So if they yeah. were working on any potential deals and then with the strike and other developmental issues, it, you have to believe that some actors had to move on from the discussions because it ends up holding up their entire future slate. That's it. That's it. Especially when you have things like these Marvel movies that take up such a big portion of yeah. time yeah. when you try and fit other projects in on that, but you may already have obligations to them. It's kind of like, yeah. You can't put aside nine months of your year to I do could, that. Right. I could see Galactus um, as ha- or Javier Bardem as Galactus. I think the voice nails it. The other rumor here is Mads Mikkelsen reportedly being considered for Doctor Doom. Uh, and this, I love Mads Mikkelsen. He's I a great Mads. villain. So I don't hate this. I am just once again surprised that they're not going a younger direction given mm. the legs that they're going to want Fantastic Four to have. I and I, I agree. I think, like you say, Mads incredible. Perhaps that again lends more to the theory of like maybe Reed Richards and Doctor Doom have had history there already. They've been battling for years, but at the same time, you could also it's you don't just put Doctor Doom in the mask for the whole movie if you've got Mads Mikkelsen. So you know, unless they're going to try this classic Marvel de aging sort of thing for any reason, which. We're kind of over it, guys. It's we don't need that in the movies anymore. Uh, it'll be interesting, yeah, to see what they do. But I, I mean, just any chance to see Mads yeah. chew up the same, I'm, I'm there for it. Well, and especially the other thing that kind of is of interest in this discussion is that they there have been rumors out there, and I, it, again, they're rumors, but they've been consistent that Doctor Doom would not feature heavily as the main actor here. Uh, or the, the main villain, I should say. And um, so if this is just an introduction, that means that we won't see Mads Mikkelsen fully sure. or, you know, uh, for a lengthy period of time in any uh, substantive performance as Dr. Doom until a future mm-hmm. film. And again, we're just playing with time there. <laughs> that's, that's it. Like, yeah, Mads isn't getting younger, unfortunately, and he's been around for a while. Yeah. Do, are they teeing up? Doctor Doom to be the next big bad? Like, is he, is it, if Kang's going to the wayside, is it, is Doctor Doom the overarching? Because that is a cool villain to have as you, that to me seems like a worthy successor of Thanos, right? Like, yeah, I agree with you. And Mads Mikkelsen's 57. And that's not to say that, like, you know, we're not predicting any future (laughs) health issues or anything, but (laughs) you're, you're asking a big commitment from a 57 year old actor if you're going to. 
at some point, I imagine. It, so whether or not they move, they move away from Kang right now, which I believe they are. But even if they don't, Doom is still going to be a future big bad um, and a multi movie big bad that's going to have large impacts. Um, and the thing, with, and the other thing here is Galactus surprises me because Galactus is a world eater, and that's a a, a simple not a simple, but that's a reset that they could execute uh, in some way. And so to have those imagine, rumors floating around. Imagine Galactus just eating the MCU Earth that we know. Just imagine that. Do and it. just it's all done. Like, that's Do kind it. of great. That's kind of cool. Like, so many people would be pissed off. They'd be like, yeah. I watched 400 movies and 97 TV shows for that. But I'd kind but- of like, fuck yeah. But like, when's that going to happen? Because Fantastic Four is supposed to come out before the Avengers movies that are already on the calendar, likely going to be delayed. And yes. then there's what's that? Isn't there something else after the Avengers already detailed? I mean, shit, probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably. I mean, and then that's without even the X Men officially. Like, there's just right? so yeah. much that is out there that we have continued. I feel like since the end of Phase Three, since Endgame, we have been in this limbo where we've been told it's all going to make sense. It's all going to make sense. And it still does not make sense. We have no idea where we're going. We have new characters introduced in, you know, like Shang-Chi. And uh, thankfully, they just did something with Miss Marvel as well, who was wonderful yep. in the Marvels. Um, but, you know, w- like, where are we going with all these characters? Plus the ones that you're introducing in post-credit scenes, like <laughs> Harry Styles, Eros. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron in uh, Doctor Strange. There's so many loose ends here that we are not connecting yet. And... To me, that's what I'd be most concerned about. And I feel like I'm talking about this every week now, but you're asking too much of your audience and yeah. you're only continuing to dig a bigger hole for you. It's it's strikes me as one of those things where it's like it almost seems like the success of Endgame and the audience investment was like unprecedented even for Kevin Feige. So he's he seems or to me it seems like the it's always sunny meme where he's at the whiteboard trying to connect everything he's like don't worry guys it's gonna make sense it's gonna make sense and he's just pulling rabbits out of hats as much as he can and it's just like the pace that they want to tell this story he cannot keep up with the momentum of it it's just over over committing under under delivering it worries me and i said this maybe last week or the week before but i i'm at a point where i love kevin feige i think he's fantastic yeah totally look what he's done like i also think that there's a point with any project where it's time for fresh eyes and Mm -hmm. a new direction i think that 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 marvel might be there but i agree yeah where would you want to see him go next i know the rumor was he wanted to do star wars but I mean, I would like to see AI take over Star Wars or anything take over Star Wars. Yeah, at the Kathleen, moment. Kathleen Kennedy does nothing with those films. And oh, I man. cannot understand how an individual who has seemingly been responsible for the disconnect between herself, the studio, and so many potential filmmakers. They've lost mm-hmm. so many filmmakers along the way. Uh, yeah. And this dates back even talking about you know Solo uh, and the production of Solo and the issues. Oh, but there's and even um, Rogue One, you know, there's so many issues along the way. Yet she still maintains this position over Lucasfilm that isn't pumping out a whole ton of stuff. I mean, Willow came out and then Willow was thrown to the wayside and is no longer available on Disney Plus. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny came out and was fine, but didn't do what they wanted it to do. You have the Star Wars. I mean, the the last Star Wars trilogy is incredibly divisive, and there's one movie now on the docket for 2025 maybe yeah. um but nobody is that, knows is that the Ta- taika waititi one I, he's still talking know. about like he's developing one he's still de- developing but then there's also right. the sequel of sorts with ray yes and then yeah. there's also the film that dave Filoni's going to do that i think was going to tie up all the series together and then that brings in Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. They're the ones that have kept the IP alive, in my opinion, on screen. So I just, I, uh, that's a long way to say, yes, send him over to Star Wars because she doesn't know what she's doing. And it baffles my mind that she's still it's, yeah. it's just, it, I always go back to the fact that it is just openly in the air that they did not have an overarching story for the trilogy. Yeah. It's just like, it's no wonder it's divisive. Like, you can say, I think everyone has a different favorite movie in that trilogy, yeah. which is mental because none of those movies are the same. Like, then this one is not like the other, you know? So it's, yeah. They very much Send took the DC approach. Where, excuse me, where they are 
they were reacting to the the audience and the audience reaction and they didn't they didn't have an overarching story they were going to tell and they made changes on the fly based on box office drive and it's uh, it's Mm. not a way to to produce films that have so much history and connection to the audiences i don't know absolutely no i agree i agree a hundred percent all right, Nick. Well, here's what we have coming out in the U.S. this week. Uh, in addition to uh, Saltburn, which is in limited theaters right now, uh, we have Leo hitting Netflix on Tuesday, um, which is in my in my Netflix queue right now, and I need to watch it because it actually does. Adam Sandler, queue. right? Yeah, Adam Sandler. Uh, Disney's Wish on Wednesday, Napoleon on Wednesday, Leave the World Behind hits limited theaters. Um, Maestro hits limited theaters. Good Burger Two hits Paramount Plus. That is happening. <laughs> That is happening. Uh, And then I believe that's pretty much it for the week because there's no major uh, releases on Black Friday here in the U.S. What do you have coming up? Uh, That's a good question. I think we're Napoleon as well. So Napoleon will be Thursday for us. That'll be the big one. Uh, We do have Leave the World Behind limited for us as well. So I'll be seeing Napoleon on Wednesday. I'm I'm excited because I know know you've seen it and I know there's been divisive reactions across the board right. but ridley scott is also a filmmaker who i'm a fan of and i know there's been divisive reactions to his movies in the past uh i'm still a big defender of the last jewel i think last jewel the was last a brilliant movie that not a lot of people talk about mm-hmm. uh it's that one there um and then we also had something else coming out this week and i was gonna bring it up because <laughs> no i actually I, I remember i wanted to talk about it but i can't remember what it was so hold up for two seconds unless i'm not thinking oh uh the royal hotel comes out here but i think it's already been out in the u.s yes if i recall correctly have you seen it i have not this was one yeah. that was it, it's been on the bubble with me uh for yeah. a long time and i was deba- this is the one with julia garner and jessica Har- henwick right yes exactly yeah, yeah two americans who uh backpacking in australia run out of money and have to take a job in a very very remote mining town in australia which is a big thing here mining towns yeah okay interesting they have to uh yeah they have to take a job in a pub where they are two obviously two attractive women and a room of 30 40 50 drunk misogynistic men uh and it's it plays out it plays out like a thriller i guess at some points um i actually i didn't uh, just a shameless self-plug i interviewed Absolutely. uh the director kitty green for it and we had an interesting i had an interesting question about it because i said was there any intention for it to play out like a horror film? Cause there are really some really unsettling moments. And she gave an answer that, that I initially felt really bad because I thought I'd asked the, a bad question um, because she was like, no, that's the problem with how a lot of people are seeing the movie. Blah, blah, and we were talking about how she wrote a drama about two women who are, find strength in this adversity. But there, are, there's kind of no denying there are also parts in the movie that do play out like a really unsettling thriller where you kind of don't know what's going to happen. So it's 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 a it's a really good movie with two really great performances. And, I mean, Hugo Weaving, so three great performances. We love Hugo. Hugo. And he's drunk for the whole movie, so <laughs> he's great. He's just unhinged Hugo. <laughs> I will, I'll admit that I don't know that I knew the premise uh, in, yes. into this, and that actually is really fascinating to me. I did have a friend see it, and I can't – not many people have been talking about it here, to be honest – um, I did have a friend that saw it and it wasn't the biggest fan. So I think when, you know, that one yeah. opinion kind of pushed me aside, but now yeah. I'm intrigued. It's it's interesting because I think a lot of people have had the same opinion and, and I won't say why, because it kind of spoils the movie a little bit. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting with the way it plays out and the way I think we as audiences are sort of accustomed to certain things playing out in these types of scenarios. It's very much against the grain of that, that narrative, which I think is, it's cool. I think when filmmakers play with genre, you know, it's an interesting watch. So, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. there's, and it's a tight 90 minutes. It is a tight 90 minutes. It love that. Lies, I'm, <laughs> Normally five stars for those movies for me. I love a 90 minute. When I'm heading to a screening and I look up a runtime, if it's anything like at two hours or over, I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? I'm like, guys, come on. Like, can we just start the movie a little earlier? Just a little bit earlier. Hour 37, hour 42. You've got me locked. I'm I'm locked in. Well, I mean, then the only exception to that is Saltburn because that needed its, I think it's like two hours, 10 minutes. It needed all two hours, 10 minutes of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I have Wonka on Monday, so... Ooh, okay, exciting. Ours is a little... I think we've got a two two weeks away for that one, but I'm, I'm very, very intrigued, intrigued and confused. 
oh so am i i've I've seen the trailer a couple of times and i kind of don't know what i'm getting into but i love the paddington movies and i think paul king's a really great director but this also seems a little darker for him so i don't know what to expect yeah i i agree with you it's kind of totally all over the place but uh Mm. hoping for a fun one Hoping for hoping for a fun one. <laughs> we'll see. Nick, it is after one a.m. There. Thanks for sticking up with me and uh, having some fun on this pod. And we will be seeing you back next week, right? Yes, I will be returning. Uh, I'm more than happy to stay up late for you, Joe, because I love coming on the show. I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I'm excited for the next uh, couple of weeks. Some good chats coming up. Absolutely, and let people know where they can find you, Nick. I'm at Nick Slicks Fix on Instagram. Uh, you'll find my 60 second video reviews there, but you'll also find the links to Nova Stream, who I write for, and you'll see a couple of written reviews. But most importantly, all the interviews I do, and we've um, we're really trying to push the interviews at the moment because we're getting some really cool opportunities. So if you get a chance to go on Nova Stream awesome. and click on the interviews and have a look, uh, I would really appreciate it. Nick, I love your written reviews, but like sometimes I go into them and I'm like, how did he feel about this? Because you do such a good oh. job of explaining like the context of the film and all and i'm always like give me a great nick where is <laughs> i am the i am the worst at that because i am so stubbornly defiant on like the grade yeah where i'm like i want people to read what i think that's just narcissistic to be honest no, like, I, you need to direction. know what i think <laughs> no, um, I, like it. I like it but if you ever need a grade joe just slide into the dms i'll give you the number i'll give you the number <laughs> all right nick thanks so much we'll see you next week thanks joe see you soon yeah.